Well, in a few, few moments, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in the same way that Jesus himself celebrated the Lord's Supper only just uh, the night before he was betrayed and taken into custody. And, uh, and so this evening, we want to just do a little reflection on Christ's death as we remember uh, its meaning for us as believers. And to do a little meditation for you tonight, I would like to just turn to Isaiah 53, verse 10. I'm just going to look at this single verse for a few moments as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's Supper tonight. In that verse, it says that the Lord was pleased to crush him. That is the servant that is spoken of in this passage, who, of course, we know is Christ himself. He was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, we will see his offspring. He will prolong His days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. This is a very remarkable verse as we contemplate the meaning of Christ's death. And one of the questions that that this verse raises for us is how do we know that God redeems us? How do we know as believers in Christ Jesus that we are indeed redeemed how do we know that God loves us in spite of our sin and that he forgives us of all of our sins and this verse drives right to the heart of what happened on the cross in order that we might be saved from our sins Now, when you read this verse, especially to read the very first couple of lines, it's it's a little disconcerting. The notion that God the Father was pleased. He drew pleasure from crushing his son. Is that not a little bit shocking when you really contemplate that notion? And to put him to grief. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Where do we find the greatest bond of love that exists in this universe and all of reality? Where do we find the greatest bond of love? It's the love that exists between the Father and the Son, or what we might call intertrinitarian love. A love so awesome, a love so amazing, so incredible, so incomprehensible that we can barely touch the depths of the love and the bond that exists between 
the Father and the Son. So how is it that we see in this passage that the Father was pleased to crush His Son? It's because of the love that God has for those whom His Son would redeem. This verse picks up some of the language of the suffering of Christ that we see particularly in verses 4 through 6 where we see that he bears our griefs and our sorrows, that he was stricken, he was smitten, he was afflicted, he was pierced, he was crushed, he was chastened, he was scourged. All of these things happened at the hands of the Father. And we get a little bit of a glimpse in this passage of the depths of the suffering. And in that cry of dereliction that Pastor Chris spoke on a few weeks ago, in which Christ was forsaken by the Father. And there is some deep mystery there. But I want us to understand that there was this compact moment on the cross when Jesus felt no fatherly love from God. He had no comfort. had no solace. Not a single word of encouragement. Did he hear from the Father? There was not a single ounce of mercy extended to Jesus on the cross. In fact, it was the greatest concentration of the wrath of God that has rested on anyone in all of history. And this verse says that the Father was pleased to crush him. Now, why would that be? This seems incomprehensible. Why would God crush the most innocent man that has ever lived? His very own beloved son. There has to be a very good reason why God would do such a thing. In fact, it has to be a supremely wise and good reason beyond all comprehension for God to do something like that. And there was a good reason. It is because of the crushing of the Son that we can be redeemed from our sins. Now, I want you to notice something else about this verse, and I think there's a little diagram that that should get posted up on the screen. 
And the next part of the verse says that if he would render himself as a guilt offering, this is referring to the servant, this is referring to Jesus, and it, and it, and it could be translated something like, when he renders his soul as a guilt offering. Jesus rendered his soul as a guilt offering. As much as it pleased God to crush him, Jesus willingly embraced being crushed and put himself forward as a guilt offering. Now, this is interesting because the background of this kind of language is Leviticus and typically with a guilt offering. This was a kind of offering that a sinner would bring to the priest to the temple to offer for his own guilt, for his own sin. But we don't see this word bring. The father didn't bring this offering. We didn't bring this offering. And certainly Jesus didn't bring this offering because he is the offering. And yet he puts himself forward as this offering. And the reason why God doesn't bring it and we don't bring it, well, God doesn't bring it because God did not sin. We did not bring it because we didn't know what was even going on here. But God allowed this to happen. God purposed this to happen, this guilt offering, in order to redeem us. And what does that do? Well, if you think of this diagram, sin is something that separates God from all sinners. And you see that in the diagram where the, 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 the uh, top part where it says sin, you can see where sin has separated us from God. But in, in order to deal with sin and so that we can be reconciled to God, Something has to happen to our sin. A payment has to be made. And that payment was made by the sacrifice of Christ who offered himself as a guilt offering. And so what happens is the sin then rests upon Jesus in which he dies and removes that sin as a barrier between us and God. And there's two things that the guilt offering does. Number one, it satisfies the justice of God because God cannot allow sin if we are to have a relationship with him. He cannot allow sin to be a barrier between us and himself. And so the guilt offering satisfies God's justice of punishment that we deserved and that Christ took. And as a result of that, it removes the guilt of the sinner as that sin now rests upon Jesus, the crushing weight of sin. And it's not just the crushing weight of our sin, but it is the judgment of God that goes along with it. The wrath of God, you could, you could almost see in this diagram, pressing down upon Christ as well when it should have been pressing against us. And in so doing... God removes the barrier and allows us to be reconciled to himself. How do we know that this was successful? How do we know that this guilt offering that Jesus offers in our place 
was actually successful. Well, the verse tells us, it says that he will see his offspring, which is a reference to believers that are secured in their redemption by this work of the guilt offering. But then we see in the next line, it says he will prolong his days. Now, how does a a guilt offering, a, a, a person who dies... How, how does this person prolong their days? Folks, this is a, a, a cryptic reference in the Old Testament to the resurrection. And then the next line says, the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. What does this mean? It means that Jesus' death will be successful to secure the redemption of of his offspring, his children, the children of God, whom Christ came to to die and to pay this, this sacrifice. I want us to contemplate that reality tonight as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And as we do that, let's have the men... Come down, and uh, they're going to pass out the bread. I want you to take it and hold it. And then once we're all have been served, we're going to partake together. And as they do that, let us, let us pray. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son, who willingly offered himself as our guilt offering. And Father, at the same time, you were pleased to crush him, not because it pleased you to crush him for the sake of crushing him, but Father, because you would see his hand prosper in redeeming a people for you. Father, was the greatest act of love that you have ever done, even to the one whom you love beyond compare. Father, let us meditate upon that reality as we partake of these elements and we remember the crushing of the Son upon the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.